Alrighty. Tonight's lesson is probably a title that you've never heard a sermon about before, Pulling Weeds. Uh, my wife, Andrea, is getting stir-crazy. I told her the title of the lesson tonight. She said, how about pulling hair? And so uh, talking with uh, my daughters this Easter afternoon, and I've got a younger daughter, Megan, in Minnesota, and I remarked what a beautiful spring afternoon we were having here in sunny California. And the daughter in Alabama, Brooks, said, we've got tornado warnings here. And the daughter, Megan, in Minnesota said, well, we've got a snowstorm here in Minnesota. So I'm glad that, uh, that we have some nice uh, spring sunshine here in, in California. It's Easter time, and that means that it's springtime. That means that uh, at least here we have beautiful flowers and trees in bloom bright, beautiful colors. So I guess some of you uh, did a, a virtual Easter egg hunt, but as you looked in the backyard, you probably saw that there are not uh, virtual weeds, but uh, very uh, real ones. Uh, I was doing uh, some weeding here lately and uh, thought I would do a fun sermon with this. And uh, are there, are there weeds in the Bible? You might be surprised that the Bible actually has a whole lot to say about, about weeds. Um, in, in fact, parable, we have King James Version, it was called the parable of the tares, but uh, we call it the, uh, uh, the parable of, of, of the weeds. Uh, at least the modern translations refer to it as, uh, as the parable of the, of the weeds. And so that parable actually made the cut. Of all the things that Jesus said and did that did not make the cut in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, parable of weeds did, ironically enough. This is what the parable actually says, Matthew 13, beginning with verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weed, you the weed along with them. Let bro both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. A little bit later on in Matthew 13, the Disciples asked for an explanation of this parable. Then he left the crowds, verse 36, went into the house, and the disciples came to him, saying to him, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. 
And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm not going to deal at length with this parable tonight. I, I think that the meaning readily yields itself. And you've heard probably some sermons on this before. In this wicked world, there is a testing ground of life on earth in which godly people and ungodly people are side by side. And uh, I think it's interesting that the devil is the one who plants those weeds. And uh, to tell you the truth, when I think of literal weeds, I think he's planted some in my own backyard. <laughs> but uh, whether we're talking physical weeds or spiritual weeds, the whole weed problem itself is made worse by human sin. That's certainly true of, of physical weeds. Genesis 3, 17 and 18, when God is passing out curses, as it were, for uh, the very first sins on earth, he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Uh, several years ago, I was clearing out a, a large backyard hill in our home in Trustville, Alabama, before we had moved back to California. The weeds on that huge hill were getting out of control and encroaching on our, our backyard. And so one day, it's probably a Saturday afternoon, I was, I was clearing them out, doing a lot of hard work back there, and um, thinking about the curse of sin, literally. Um, I've done that a lot when I've done weeding over the years uh, in various gardens that I've had. But I was I was thinking about Genesis 3. And right at that instant, right at that very moment, when I was really focusing on uh, these curses that, that God uh, uh, gives to, to Adam, this snake <laughs> slithers through the brush. And scared the living daylights out of me, scared me to death. And uh, but it was totally fitting for the the thought of the hour. Uh, but if I I've ever been tempted to curse Satan, I I, I uh, it's been in context of of having to to clear or to to pull weeds. But the Bible talks a lot about weeds, both spiritual and and physical. Uh, you'll remember the parable of the sower. It's also given in Matthew 13 and, and Mark uh, 4, Luke 4, among other uh, uh, th those, those places. Uh, in, in Mark's account, uh, Mark 4, verse 5, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. There are four soil types of the parable of the sower, and one of these soil types is the thorny ground. And of course, Jesus explains that in verses 18 and 19 
Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Uh, we have um, the folks that owned the home that we're now in uh, before we moved in did a lot of planting of exotic plants in the in the backyard garden. And uh, one of the first orders of business was to clear that. And uh, last summer, as as the house was bought, and uh, we hadn't moved in yet, and I was juggling all these major responsibilities. I had a debate. I had a, a Tahoe Bible conference. I had a a, um, a book that had just come out. I had um, a, a, a visitor day, uh, a museum day coming up, and, and some other major responsibilities. And so. Uh, uh, Richard Hames was was kind enough to volunteer to, to go in and, and do a little uh, yard work before we had moved into the, the house. And, uh, you know, all these exotic plants, and one of them was this, this really thorny bush. And uh, I had done a little bit of, of cutting and, and weeding with this thing, and, and uh, uh, he had put on some gloves, and, and this thing absolutely tore up his hands. And, and whenever I worked with it, uh, I had gloves on, and it absolutely tore up my hands. I mean, uh, th this, and, and I believe it was intentionally planted there. I, it, not necessarily a weed per se, but an actual plant that these folks had, had planted. But the stem was so sharp that it would just cut through the gloves and tear up the hands. And uh, and I, you know, it's easy to think when you're when you're clearing out something like that. It's got to be a work of the devil here. <laughs> Uh, who would plant an ungodly thing like that? But uh, it, it, as tough as it is to clear out a thorn bush, uh, there are spiritual thorns in our lives that are even deadlier. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things can enter in and choke the word so that it becomes entirely unfruitful in our lives. We need to get rid of those thorns or else we're in trouble. Another passage along these lines is James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. If you're ever planting a garden, you want to take the bad stuff out before putting the good seed in, the natural order of things. And uh, otherwise, the uh, the bad stuff, the weeds will will crowd out, and uh, the the good seed, the good uh, plants that you plant, and also still valuable nutrients, uh, they will choke uh, essentially the the good uh, seed. And so, one of the most unpleasant parts of gardening is doing the weeding on the front end and, and clearing that that soil. I think it's one of the most spiritually challenging things. Likewise. To get rid of filthiness and rampant wickedness when the good seed of the Word of God is to be received with meekness in the human heart, because the human heart will be crowded uh, entirely too much if you try to make room for filthiness and rampant wickedness on the one hand, and yet the implanted Word of God on the other hand. You've got to get rid of the one in order for the other to flourish. In fact, I've done a lot of thinking here lately. I, I, I'm doing a lot of tutorials with Paul Watson, 
and uh, uh, he was preaching at, at East Foothill uh, this morning in their online program, and so he wasn't with us this morning, but, but he and I meet a couple of times a week, and we talk shop, and we talk about preaching, and, and uh, I, think I, need to, I think I need to give him some, some practical experience at finding uh, good sermon illustrations. And I'm telling you that uh, in doing weeding over the years, I've had better illustrations that have come out of that experience than almost anything else that I can immediately think of. So what I need to do, I think, is uh, is grab Paul Watson and uh, bring him to my backyard, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll do some weeding together, and I'll give him some sermon illustrations that he'll never forget for the rest of his life. How about it, Paul? <laughs> um, well, James 1.21, get rid of that filthiness and rampant wickedness, and then allow that, that word of God to be implanted in the human heart to be received with, with meekness. Three keys to that happening. Number one, do it now. Number two, once is not enough. And number three, you've got to get to the root of the matter. Spiritually, there are correlations between the weeding that we do physically and the weeding that we do spiritually and getting our spiritual lives in order. So number one, if you're going to weed, do it now. I did some weeding several weeks ago, or maybe three or four weeks ago, and uh, then we had these recent rains, and I popped my head out the out to the the, the yard, and uh, and I'm telling you, these weeds, in some cases are taller than they were three or four weeks ago. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the devil did you creep up on me so fast? Um, but, but that's what happens, you wait too long and a little problem becomes a big problem. And so and the same thing is true spiritually. If you're going to repent, do it now. If you're going to engage in spiritual resolution, do it now. If you're going to do the right thing, do it now. Weeds will explode in the springtime of, of life, even spiritually, and spiritual problems cause more problems, greater problems, if we do not root them out sooner rather than later. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin, James 4.17 says. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. And so if you need to get right with God, if you need to clean out the spiritual weeds out of your heart, to be able to receive the implanted word that can revolutionize your life, don't wait. Do it now. Lesson number two. Once is not enough. Weeds tend to keep coming back. And we may think, well, that's a work of the devil, even when we're dealing with physical weeds. But it, it, it just seems like it's never one and done. And the same thing is true spiritually. We're talking about a continual process. We've long debunked the idea of once saved, always saved. That's a false idea. Serious problems can resurface. They can reappear. And we can never, ever drop our guard. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, we read, therefore, to the one who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter talks about various virtues that need to be added to the Christian life. And he speaks to the issue of the diligence required in uh, cutting out 
the bad things and, and putting on the good. He says in uh, in Second Peter one verse ten, for example, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In chapter three and verse fourteen, same epistle, he says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent be found in him or by him without spot or blemish and to be at peace. So this is something you need to keep on keeping on at and, and, and continue to be diligent, uh, weeding out the spiritual weeds out of our, our hearts, the wickedness that uh, so easily uh, comes back to creep in. We, we need to continually do our, our spiritual weeding and, and uh, it's not a one and done type of thing. Thirdly, we need to try to get to the very root of the matter. Uh, it, it, if you don't get the root of a physical weed and pull the root out, that weed's going to come back again and again and again. And surface level fixes won't do. They won't do physically and they won't do spiritually either. We've got to get to the root cause of our problems and, and deal at the root cause. There are a lot of other images besides weeding are brought out in the New Testament to deal with the, the problems of the heart. Uh, we talked about one of those this morning in, in Romans, the sixth chapter of crucifying the old sinful self. In uh, Colossians chapter two, Colossians chapter two, Paul gives a, a parallel image there. He speaks of circumcising the body of the flesh in uh, Colossians two verses uh, 11 and 12. Uh, a circumcision uh, made without hands, putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of, of Christ. I alluded, uh, I think last uh, Wednesday, perhaps, to uh, this uh, book, uh, Covenant and Kingdom, the DNA of the Bible by Mike Green. And uh, in, my in my own book on uh, the covenant, I talk about the, the uh, uh, spiritual circumcision being the chief mark of uh, the covenant or sign of the covenant for New Testament Christians, just as physical circumcision was a mark of, or, or sign of the covenant for the Israelites. Um, Mike Breen talks about uh, the scarring, you know, people becoming blood brothers in making covenants in the Old Testament period, and, and God causing the Israelites to have a, a scar of sorts in uh, becoming God's covenant people with circumcision in the Old Testament. And he says, even in the New Covenant, we've got uh, uh, a, a oneness there with God. God asked Abraham to bear a scar in order to confirm their covenant. But in the New Covenant, God himself chose to carry scars. The resurrected body of Jesus bears scars, he said. The New Testament tells us today that those who are in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus also bear a scar circumcision of the heart. And he speaks of many of the, the positive aspects of that circumcised heart, which we should emphasize. But there are also some negative aspects of that. We, we cut out the body of the flesh, uh, the things that, that we used to identify with and, and used to identify us are no longer a part of us. We have to cut those out of our lives and uh, take on a new identity with God. 
put to death what uh, is earthly in you, Paul says in, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Just because we crucify the old sinful self at baptism does not mean that we don't continue to put to death what is earthly in you, Paul says. He speaks of sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 7. But he says in verse 8, but you must now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And so we need to continue working on, on weeding those, those evil spiritual things, those weeds out of our hearts. Ultimately, when all is said and done in life, we're either going to, to be a blessing or a curse. We're either going to experience blessing or curse based on the opportunities that we've had in this life. Just as uh, soil uh, may have opportunity with sunshine, nutrient-rich um, uh, opportunity, fertilizer, rain, good seed. Um, but if that, if that soil produces thorns and th thistles, then uh, it's worthless. In verses 7 and 8, for the land that has drunk the rain that off falls on it and produces a crop useful for those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. It would be terrible to, to receive great blessing from God, and all of us have, have been in that situation of receiving great opportunities to do something good and to make something good out of our lives. But if we don't take advantage of those opportunities, we too are worthless and near to being cursed. And uh, our end will not be a good one. I came across this quote the other day on, uh, on Facebook and uh, thought I would just stick it in here. It's a little bit... Uh, Awkward, perhaps, in a sermon of this nature. But we do live in an age of information overload in which people do not take advantage of their ultimate opportunities. But here's the, uh, here's the Facebook quote. In, in 1985's Amusing Ourselves to Death, Neil Postman predicted that the danger of the future wasn't from a big brother government like in Orwell's 1984, but instead from technology. People, he says, will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. The problem would not be a lack of information, but that we would have so much access to so much information. Everyone would become a self-proclaimed expert while doing very little actually know things. Truth, he said, would be lost in a sea of irrelevance. And here we are 35 years later, and I believe that uh, we see not only information overload, but people who have information overload are not able to think for themselves, not able or not capable for whatever reason of resolving to do what's right, not able to get the spiritual weeds out and to receive with meekness the implanted word and the antidote toward this kind of a problem. Again, found so simply in James 1, 21 and 22. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When all is said and done and this life is over, we have a beautiful garden paradise awaiting us. I don't know if there's going to be any weeding done there, but if there is, I don't really want that job. <laughs> but if there is, uh, and I've given that job, I'd rather have that job than not be there. But uh, if I have that job, I hope they have supernatural weed whacker or uh, cancer-free uh, weed treatment uh, that enables that job to be a whole lot easier than it otherwise would be. But think how beautiful heaven's garden is going to be. Revelation 22, 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. No more curse, and I would like to think no more weeds, only perfect fellowship in a garden paradise with God. I want to be there. I trust that you want to be there. And if you have some spiritual weeds you need to cut out, please, by all means, give this your utmost attention because if you miss heaven, you miss everything that is anything when everything is said and done. May God help us all to do the repenting that we need to do, to obey the gospel if we need to do that, and not to wait to do it now.